0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number six of the Breakaway Banter Podcast. I'm going to say it right this week. My name's Josh Ruckstall. I'm Jeremy Rash. And together we make the Breakaway Banter Podcast. It's a podcast for hockey fans by hockey fans. We don't pretend like we're insiders. We're just fans who love hockey. And we start out every week with our teams. And Jeremy, uh, recency bias, your your team can take the, take the start.
1: Oof. Oof. Big oof. Uh, the Canucks had their way with him last night. Uh, it, was, it was real bad. Um, actually, you know, the Rangers played a good, strong game. Demko was really strong. and uh, could let in quite a few off rips that, uh, that he probably should have had. But, geez, uh, Pedersen had a beautiful goal last night. I can't even be mad at it.
0: Hoglander, too, set up a beautiful goal as well. It was just like, it was a team that completely bought in in the Canucks and knew that they had to have that complete buy-in when you're playing the New York Rangers.
1: One hundred percent, and yeah, again, another team that's still been proving themselves all year is one of those, you know, maybe cup contenders. Uh, I think shocking a lot of people, but the Canucks, uh, the Canucks are the real deal.
0: And it's funny cuz people still are like, "Oh, I don't know if the Canucks are the real deal. I don't know. They're pretenders, man. They're pretenders." Like they've proven all year. They've had a couple games where like, man, you wish they would get a couple points there. Every team has. The Rangers had one last night, but they're proving that they are for real. They're not they're not just like fooling around. They're not pretending to be something they're not. When Demko provides, they're going to win games.
1: 100% and like we're almost halfway through the season at this point so you know how long do you have to pretend before you're not a pretender anymore
0: <laughs> that's true is there anything else you wanted to talk about on the ranger front is that how's the true betraying club going
1: you know the true betraying club is always strong we've got our we've got our very small but vocal audience on twitter and we're going strong um, well, I think from that front you know we'll just leave it there on the rangers this week don't have a no, lot of talk. Don't have a lot to talk about after
0: last night. That's fair because we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's, uh, we could start with William Nylander, but I first want to mention that. Did you think that Toronto's starting goalie at the start of the season was going to be Martin Jones, Marty Party?
1: Um, no, and if you would have told me that, I would have told you that your cup hopes are gone once again. But, but
0: th- he's playing like the best hockey of his career i can't even compare it to a time cuz he's never been this consistent he's been a great starting goalie for organizations but only letting in one goal a game like that is what toronto needed and man he's making a case for himself to to play out the rest of the year as a toronto maple leaf and not switch with samsonov when he's ready to go back to the marlies
1: i don't think anyone should be switching with samsonov at this point um You know, he'd really have to string together quite a few good games in a row, but I don't think he'd earned a few good starts in a row. (laughs) So I don't know. Uh, It's it's good to see them finally getting some good goaltending because it's such a waste of that beautiful forward group every year that they don't go deep in the playoffs
0: and and like like we said at the start of the year with John Klingberg um you, you hate to see a player's career kind of waver like this and what's next for him cuz like with Samsonov it's a lot of mental health reasons why he's it's it's confidence it's mental health he said his mental health hasn't been great like i think in the new nhl we should be looking at maybe ltir including mental health reasons that you can't play like, the mind is just as important as the body. And, 100%. And, and you want to see him succeed and, and, like, like you hate that the only option is you wave him to go to the Marlies. Like, he should have been able to go to IR for his mental health sake, get stable, get calm, get his confidence, and then go forward. But that's enough of the goaltending. Let's talk about eight more years of number 88, and he took the bag and Toronto provided it, which... I'm going to be honest. I was hesitant uh, to think that they could do it and that they would pull the trigger. Uh, I'm glad I love Nylander. Um, You got to think that makes you wonder about Mitch Marner come when his contract expires and what that's going to mean for the core four as uh, everybody can't get the bag and stay on the team.
1: Well, as coach Chippy says, the core floor, the core four flies separate. Um, So it's, it cracked me up when I watched, I watched his latest uh, its the other day when they dropped it, and I was roaring at it. Um, yeah, well, I, I'm happy for Nylander because he, uh, he was the guy out of the three of them that got the short end of the stick the last time on the contract negotiation. And it was funny because when he signed that deal, I was an idiot. I thought they overpaid him. Um, and it was he ended up being the most bargained contract out of the, the big four in Toronto. And uh, Willie Styles is back, baby. I mean, you got to pay your superstars. It, and it's nice to see Toronto doing that because you got to keep your guys. Like, if you don't have a sure thing to replace them with, even, you know, people always say, well, oh, you need to replace them with a defenseman. Toronto needs defense. Toronto needs goalies. Who? You know what I mean? Like, and who are they going to come? Who, who are they going to go and get for the same <laughs> price that's going to provide the same value?
0: It's not a buyer's market now anyway. So like, and like it comes back to my solution at the start of this podcast, the first couple episodes where there is a break for teams that develop, draft, and retain their players. Like, the Toronto would be in a position to contend, like people wouldn't be like, oh, what are they going to do next year? Like looking at it, the cap is supposed to go up 3 million. So you look at the cap, comparatively, for signed, the only unsigned guys next year in Toronto, Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, Nicholas Robertson, Noah Greger, and Bobby McMahon. Robertson, McMahon, and Gregor all league men or a million dollars. So you're not worried about that. You have room to sign Max Domi. I don't think Bertuzzi is going to be a Leaf. I don't think they have the space cap-wise. I'd rather see Domi, who's a center, who... Is a emotional player, so I'm not worried about next year. And then the year after, Tavares is his contracts off the books. Marner's contracts off the books. They're going to resign Marner and probably Tavares. But you got to think Tavares' number is going to be about six mil instead of eleven, which will be another big help. So I'm not concerned. Do I think that Toronto still needs to make some moves and fix their defense for sure? I think once Wall gets back. Um, It'd be nice to find a goalie that's on the market, but where? Where are you going to, like, the teams that have extra goalies know they have the monopoly and that they can charge whatever. And that's the case. And if you can't, I'm not willing to mortgage the future to get a goalie for right now.
1: I I agree. Um, I think, I agree with everything except that I don't think Johnny T re-signs for six. I think that he can get another bag probably somewhere else. Um, for a little more than six, probably three, three, four-year deal. How how old will he be, 35, when the contract's up?
0: Uh, He's going to be 35. But my thinking is he's got a young family, he's home. Does he really want to move to make three or four million somewhere else, or does he want to – if Toronto doesn't win a cup this year or next year, does he want to try and see it out as a Toronto Maple Leaf and win his cup?
1: You see, I see that as the opportunity to move on from Johnny T., Maybe you let him go in free agency, then you use that cap on the defense instead of spending it on one of your young guys, then you move Matthews up, give him the C. Um he, and then he deserves the C team. for sure. And then it's his team from there there on forward. So I think John Tavares has done great things to at least like the you can't knock the signing. He's played very well for them, you know, like so but I do think that I do see them moving on from him and, and giving Matthews the C But now he's got some maturity, he's not mooning people anymore. <laughs>
0: That was a crazy time and like we've talked about the Leafs for quite a bit so we'll, we'll move on from that to um I'm nor I'm used to disappointment I I've, I've come as a leaf fan to to know it well. I'm not used to seeing that disappointment and feeling that disappointment when it comes to the world Juniors and team Canada. In recent memory at least like there, there's been like when was the last time Canada wasn't in a medal game?
1: I don't know, but you know what I'm going to say, and that is USA, USA, USA. Gabe Perot and the boys took care of business, and I called it at the beginning of the tournament.
0: You did. You had you had USA all over everything you were saying and all that you were uh, cheering for, and they delivered in a gold medal game. And like, props to Sweden for for putting up a fight and and not backing down.
1: Yeah, 100. It was. It was. Uh, it's funny. Usually those those games are a little closer. I find though, like, the score wise, like you know, it wasn't much of a nail biter. Um, but uh, they got the job done. And in Sweden, it could get a little greasy there at the end. But uh, I mean, that's the age. Hard to keep your hard to keep your emotions about you at that age for sure. It's you still we're watching adults losing their emotions uh, <laughs> in the NHL. So.
0: But, like, I like to see it, though, because, like, in those games, it's easy to just be, like, pack it in. Like, we're it's, like, the final minute. We're losing by a lot. We're no chance in coming back. Like, how many times do we just see them skate, like, the other team skate behind their net, hold the puck, and just wear out the clock? Like, no, Sweden didn't back down, even when they had every reason to just mail it in.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I agree with that. And I mean, and to give credit to Canada, like you got to think about some of the players in this. You know what I mean? Like, because if Bedard's on that team, it's a whole different ballgame.
0: game. I feel like Canada. I've I've gotten heat for what I, on Twitter from what I'm for what I'm saying or X whatever we're gonna call it. I always get like them both like in my head, but X Twitter. I said that Canada was constructed weird. They didn't take the best available. They took a lot of guys that should have been role players and. That's not what the World Juniors is about. You need, like, four lines that can bang in goals and be high-power offense. Like, Canada is not a shutdown, defensive, normal team. Like, you want the best offensive guys going, and I feel like they they missed the mark on that in in not sending the top players and being able to send the top players because a lot of teams in the NHL retained their rookies.
1: Yeah, I 100% want four lines of Michigans just rolling every year at the World Juniors. (laughs) Four lines of mission. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the while we're closing out the World Juniors, the thing I do love is that highlight package after they show the celebration, they show like the the two weeks of highlights and all the, the, the great things that happened in the World Juniors. I love that two minute like package. It just it just reaffirms that the game is going in such an awesome direction. And even the teams that didn't fare out well, didn't play didn't play to the level that they were expecting or hoped had these great highlights in that package. It's just great to see.
1: Well, the one thing about Canada not meddling and, um, is, yeah, like you mentioned, like all these teams that are coming up, like, you know what I mean? Like some teams that aren't always competitive have been more competitive in recent years, like Czechia. Um, it's nice to see Germany come away with a few wins. Like it's, it's becoming a more well-rounded tournament. So, like, I don't know going forward how comfy Canada can be. Um, like, you know what I mean? Like I don't think they're a surefire medal at all anymore. It's uh, – It's becoming a global game.
0: I would even say that when it comes to like best on best Olympic hockey, like you look at the U.S. U.S. team for the Olympics that they've got mock these mock teams done up. That's a scary looking team. That is a team full of guys that are hungry that want to prove that they can beat Canada and they have a lot of skill to do that.
1: Yeah. I think it would be, I hope that the NHL figures that out because it would be so much fun to see that again, um, especially with the talent that the USA has today. A Canada-USA game in the Olympics would be amazing. I won't be rooting for the USA in the Olympics, I can tell you that. Um, I root for Rangers prospects, Rangers prospects only, and I can tell you there will be none on the USA team. (laughs)
0: There'll be a lot of, a lot of, uh, if Russia's allowed to play in the Olympics, Panarin will be there. You've got Zabinijad. Uh, I mean, Fox will be there for the USA. Oh Um, yeah,
1: for sure. It wouldn't shock me if you saw, if I saw Crowder make USA either, like as a lower line player. Um, so, you know, I think the Rangers have quite a bit of talent that will make the Olympics, but I'm still rooting for Canada. Um, (laughs) I got to root for Canada at the Olympics.
0: So... The world juniors were done. We washed our hands and we said, We're done with the we're done with the kids. They're going back to university. We don't need to talk about them anymore. And then Cutter Goche says, nah. I want to still be in the headlines here.
1: Yeah. We washed he our pulled, hands of the World Juniors and then Cutter Goche washed his hands of the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> he pulled
0: he pulled an Eric Lindros that on the team that took Eric Lindros. That is and, and the quote, and I give a lot of props to Danny Briere on this because he came out very reasonable, level-headed. He came out looking like he saved face a little bit until his broadcast team started speaking on the matter. And then, boom, like that game, like at that intermission, I don't know if you saw this. They, they said it had Kevin Hayes fingerprints all yeah. over
1: it. I did see that, and I thought it was the dumbest thing you could ever do to somebody who most likely was never involved with it at all. I know Hayes has come out now and said that he had no involvement in it. But to just come out and blame a player like that, at the at, at, to me, I this is funny, but I have no issues when players are like, no, I'm not playing there. Um, I don't blame you. I don't blame people for not wanting to play for the Flyers right now in their current state. Like, whatever, Flyers fans, come at me too. Um, but – you know, you guys throw snowballs at Santa Claus, and you wonder why nobody wants to play for Philadelphia. Um, like, I don't know why LCD for me. Like, I, it's just it's crazy. And then the reaction that he's getting, Cutter Goche is getting from doing this from Philly fan, That's why nobody wants to play there,
0: because <laughs> of how you act. So. And like, can you blame like Fox? Kind of did the same thing, not as publicly. He was drafted by the Flames. Was a Flames prospect. Didn't want, told the Flames he didn't want to resign, and then they made a deal with the Rangers. Or did he go as a free agent to the Rangers? I think there was like a minor no. trade because he wasn't supposed to be as big as he was.
1: There was two trades. It was a, they traded two second round picks for him. So he was a good prospect. Like they knew he was a good prospect. I don't think they knew that he was going to be top five defensive in the NHL process. Um, and almost immediately, like as soon as he jumped into the league, but it is funny. I say this is a little bit biased because only bad prospects have ever been like, I need to leave the Rangers. <laughs> it's not like I've ever, it's not like they've ever lost a good one. They've only ever I mean, gained
0: from it. I mean, Jimmy Vc kind of did that.
1: VC forced his way to the Rangers. Kevin Hayes forced his way to the Rangers. Um, Adam Fox forced his way to the Rangers. Cause, uh, JT Miller? Miller. Yeah, uh, did JT North? No, I thought he was drafted. He was drafted by the Rangers.
0: Oh, uh, then he did the trade. The trade, he was in trade. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. So those guys that I was just mentioning are all like forced their way from being drafted onto the New York Rangers and not signing with the team that drafted them. Um, but yeah, there have been players like in the last couple of years, uh, like Lias Anderson and Kraftstaug have both been unhappy and demanded trades and then they were obliged um, and traded. Now, don't get me wrong, neither of them had the. Kind of uh, prospect profile that uh, Cutter has. So it does feel like a bigger loss. But also for Philadelphia, you got Drysdale in a second. Like that's not as nothing to scoff at in return. Drysdale's already been in the league and he's
0: He's putting a a name for himself. He's easily your number two defenseman. Like Drysdale is far and away your number two defenseman on the Philadelphia Flyers. And he's only what, 21?
1: Yeah, he's 22 years old.
0: On top of that, you got a second-round pick from Anaheim, who isn't going to be good anytime soon, so it's essentially a late-round first.
1: Yeah, and the difference in draft capital was one pick. I believe Drysdale was sixth overall, and and Cutter was uh, fifth overall. It's just two years' difference, the 2020 versus 2022 draft.
0: So a guy that was never going to play for your organization, you were able to get a top-two defenseman and a second-round pick. I think I think Philly did very well. I think Anaheim in the long run is going to look like bandits on this one because when you see their forward core—Leo Carlson, Troy Terry, Zegras—you've uh, um, got now Cutter Gauthier. Like that is nothing to scoff at, and that mm-hmm. is a scary forward group going forward.
1: One hundred percent. And it's funny because like you see the like I was going through Twitter and looking at Flyers fans getting angry at it all day. And I'm like, honestly, you should thank him. Like you guys got a really good deal out of this. Like, you know, he looks like a promising prospect, but like Trisdale is a promising prospect. He's showing it at the NHL level. Um, and to get a second round pick again, like you mentioned, a hot, most likely a high one. It's nothing to scoff at. That was a really good deal for a player who chose to not play for your organization. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I'm a man of chaos myself, so I'll definitely be tuning in for the first Anaheim versus Flags game um, where he's playing just because, you know, like, I like to rip on the fans, but also, like, I want to see how that pans out. Um, I'm assuming it will be a circus of booze um, for the entirety of the game every time he touches the puck. Um, but I also I, don't think that a, a kid that age should be facing this level of scrutiny from an adult fan
0: base. What fan base do you think is more sour, the Islanders at John Tavares, or the Philadelphia fans at Cutter Goche, who has never touched Philadelphia ice?
1: It's you know it's sad that it's close, um, but I don't think that there's ever going to be anyone that matches the level of pettiness that the Isles fans have for Tavares. Like if they're still booing it, we're talking about the guy's extension, potential extension right now. He signed a seven-year deal with the lease and we're talking about – we're still talking – he said it's booed there. They booed his thousand
0: points. What are we doing here? My last question on this, if you were Cutter Goche and you had to decide you had to play for either the Philadelphia Flyers or the New Jersey Devils, where are you going?
1: If I was him and I had to pick between who I was going to play for? Yeah. See, it's funny because I don't hate Philly. I'm just disgusted with how they acted like today or, and 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 yesterday. Like I'm disgusted with how the fan base reacted to this. It's like it's just unnecessary in my opinion. The devil okay. can never play for the devils. Like
0: But you're you're cutter gocha, you want out of Philly and you're told the only option is you're going to the devils.
1: I'm probably sticking it out with Torx even if he plays me four minutes a night.
0: Did you see did you see his quote? I don't know Cutter from a hole in the wall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he cracks me up, man. I, I don't have any uh, will to words towards tours. I could see why a young player coming into the league with his type of personality—you know, hockey's changed—might um, not want to play for him. I don't know if that had anything to do with the situation uh, or what happened to Philadelphia. I do think the kid probably should have met with Briere and them when they asked. At least give them that courtesy, but.
0: He's it's a kid. All just kind of
1: blown out of proportion. Like, yeah, like we're talking about. He's also
0: a kid. Yeah. Like, I, can you expect. Like, I get it. He's drafted to the NHL. He should have maturity. He's he's 18 or 19. He's still a child. He, he finished high school like last year. Like, yeah.
1: give cut the him, kid. Cut, cut him some <laughs> slack, man. But again, so, Philadelphia, they don't cut slack, they cut throats. That's Philly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So, moving on from that, um, the Sportsnet broadcast, as of late, has gotten a lot of scrutiny for being bland, vanilla, whatever. Last week, it was that um, Jamal Mayers defended um, Ryan Hartman's high stick to Cole Perfetti in the face-off circle, uh, saying that that's hockey, I you would expect that. You have to expect that when one when, when of your players gets hurt, you, you're, you're going to be a target, which is... And then Jennifer Botterill just stood up and like, good on her for this. She completely dismantled everything he said and discredited everything he said and just came back at, this is the NHL. This is where we need to make the line and there has to be a standard for how this is acting. And she did a phenomenal job. And another big soundbite comes out of the uh, Sportsnet broadcast with uh, Kevin BX on Saturday night calling out our favorite rat on the podcast, Nick Cousins. I got the quotes here. Do you have anything to say on that before I read his quotes?
1: Yeah, first of all, she absolutely dismantled that that guy. Um, and it. I, I don't ever need to hear another one of his takes again after that. Um, she, she took care of that. He doesn't need to be on TV See ya. That was perfect. That was the exact... It's it's funny because, like, I was screaming in my head when I was listening to him talk and go on about it. And then she said everything and way more than I could have ever thought of. Um, On the spot and in the moment, and it was, like, the perfect defense of, you know, where hockey should be going and how it needs to change and and how that exact type of mentality is what's holding it back. I thought she did a phenomenal job. I was just amazed. And BX, I love BX, but... (laughs)
0: But back to the bottle. that was great content. It was a great yes. discussion where she just clearly won. And back to, like, so he has the right, like, it's his opinion. Sure, whatever. A guy that played in the same era as Jamal Mayers, Kevin Bieksa, has this to say about our favorite rat, Nick Cousins. This is a trend with Cousins, and he has done this numerous amount of times. Ramey guys head into the boards. There's no place in the game for this. He goes on to say, "What's the common theme in all of these hits? Cousins is at the bottom of the pile in the turtle position, not like Brendan Smith standing up and taking your medicine. This has been a common theme for this player. Somebody in the organization that he respects has to sit him down. Enough is enough, or the NHL, or the NHL needs to hammer down on him with a with a suspension for all these crappy hits. I hate them. That's a rat to me, and I'm sorry to say it, but he's a rat." Like, boom, like a a guy that played the game hard knows about making hits and like, yeah, you answer for your hits, calling out Nick Cousins on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. It was I once again in two weeks was applauding what was said on Hockey Night in Canada, which hasn't happened in many years. It's been very stale and bland, like I said at the start, but two great sound bites out of uh, Hockey Night in Canada this week
1: and yeah i honestly i love what the has said um and you know that's how you get the clicks baby you, get, you gotta go controversy um and you know some people like it some people hate it but that's why there's so much engagement in the content um and again like you said like cousins like for example I, and i had no problem and this isn't because i'm I, i'm gonna stick up for the devil i had no issue with the brendan smith hit he stood his ground what was he supposed to let him do walk through the middle of the ice with his head down I hate to see Federer get hurt, um, but I didn't have an issue with the hit. And like Bieksa said, he did take his med- medicine. He hurt a player, and he did that. Uh, and, and then he, he accepted the fight. He, he understands the consequences. Um, so I don't know. It was uh, I, I do agree with everything, his entire assessment on Cousins. Bieksa, to me, seems like a guy that played the game a hard way but wants to leave it a better place for the kids that are coming up to play in the future, um, which is somebody, you know, who can show signs of progression. I always enjoyed the X's takes. You know, like some people you hear in hockey media, you know, like, the game is played that way and it's always been played that way. But there are some people you're starting to hear more and more wanting to improve the game for the people that are coming up and they don't want them to have to go through a lot of the stuff that they went through to get there or to play in the league or to stay in the league. And I think
0: that's huge. And isn't it funny that most of these takes that we're talking about that we like to hear are coming from guys like Bieksa, Paul Bissonnette, uh Matt Murley, uh, Ryan Whitney, like guys that played the game, played it hard. I mean, I don't think Whitney played the game a hard style. He was more of a skill guy. But still, like these guys that that played the game in a hard way and understand that the game has changed and that they're going to leave it behind them and they're moving forward with the game.
1: Yeah, it doesn't mean that we're going to, the hitting's going to get eliminated or that fighting's going to get eliminated. It just means that, like, the rat behavior needs to cease. Like, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of dirtier things that are occurring, and people say it's because they, you know, they're policing the game too much. But I, I don't know. I don't think that's the reason at all. I just don't agree with it. I think that the, you know, the stick stuff, I the stick stuff always bugs me. I'd rather you fight someone <laughs> than just slash somebody in the face like Hartman. That was disgusting.
0: The thing. That worries me about Nick Cousins is his such unwillingness to answer for what he's done. I worry that a time is going to come where we're going to regress to see the Bertuzzi Moore incident again, where somebody's just had it with Cousins and just decides that they're just going to clean his clock unsuspectingly, unwillingly. And I don't want that to get there. But at the same time, like, the guy isn't ever going to answer for his hits, and he hasn't shown that he's remorseful or that he's going to not lay those hits.
1: I, uh, I got a terrible joke for you. You ready?
0: Yeah, let's go for it.
1: Why is Nick Cousins' porch full of Amazon boxes? Don't know. He never answers the bell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am awful. Kicking off the podcast right that, now. That is a terrible, terrible joke. <laughs> Which, okay, we're done We're done with Nick Cousins, but we're going to stay on things that we hate. And we're both fantasy hockey team owners. And we've got a couple things we want to talk about. And if this is you, we're talking about you. They're the p- types of people in fantasy that we hate. And I'm going to start. The guy I hate is the guy that goes, oh, I, I'll put out like, hey, I'm looking to trade so-and-so and he'll send me an offer where it's like he picked up the worst guy as a free agent and sent me that as the offer, and he sends it about a 1,000 times over And I'm like, bro, you're offering me, like, cents on the dollar. And he goes, well, then don't say you want to trade him. Like, no, I want a fair trade. Like, give your head a shake.
1: Yeah, I said I wanted to trade Jack Hughes. I didn't say that I wanted – Give him away. (laughs) I didn't want Brandon Smith in return.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, like, okay, so – I like one of the trades. I, I said I was like, oh, I'm looking to shop. Um, who was I looking to shop? Oh, I had Aiden Hill before he got hurt. He was a world beater, great goalie. I got offered Samsonov, off. and I was like, I understand I'm a Leaf fan, but no. And he's like, oh, okay, Jake Allen. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, yeah. no, thanks. I'm looking. I'm looking for a guy that's gonna like. Not Shosturkin. I'm not expecting Shosturkin in return, but at least send me Gorgiev, like
1: something. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's because he's on a good team and he's got a good, you know, he's he's going to get his starts prior to getting hurt. The value bad. You got offered a pretty nice trade, actually. Um, we should bring that to the pod. You should you should mention that in the pod. And try to and get a consensus.
0: Oh, so I did accept the trade. You did take it. I did take it. So this week, uh, my pool is very heavy on. Goals, uh, assists, face-off hits, blocks, um, and plus-minus and penalty minutes. So it's like encompassing pretty much every stat. And I had uh got offered. I owned Victor Hedman and Nick Suzuki, and in return, I was offered two struggling players, um, that have huge upside potential in Adam Fox and Tage Thompson. And, uh, I went with you, I deliberated it with you. And, uh, see, that is the kind of trades that I want to see. Like, if if it makes me think if I'm not instantly like, are you on drugs? Like that's the kind of trade I want to see. I accepted it. And, uh, let me know. Do you think I won? Do you think the other guy won? Hedman's on a tear, but I feel like Fox has so much potential, uh, that it could be a good trade.
1: I didn't even add, is it a keeper
0: league? It is a, you get two keepers and I already have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And I don't think I could drop one of them to keep either. I of think two. if
1: you've got, if you've got Matthews, uh, Marner, Thompson, and Fox, you're laughing. Like, so you should have a good shot at the ship this year.
0: I, I'm hoping I've gone to the finals three of the four years and and uh, haven't won yet, so let's hope this is the year. Uh, but what's What's something that you hate when it comes to fantasy hockey, Jeremy?
1: So, in every league that I've ever been in, there are three to four of these guys, and they just don't set their lines like they'll set for like the first four weeks. And if I've been guilty of it too over the years, but like not this year, I'm into it this year because I got a good team <laughs> so. <laughs> Every year, there's just people who don't set their lines. Like, it's actually turned me – Like I made a couple of my league best ball this year where it's just like draft and forget it. You can trade, but you can draft. You, you draft, then everybody on your team you get points for, and then you can trade or pick up waivers. But, it, yeah, the amount of like uninterest – because like, football, fantasy football is so easy. It's Thursday, Sunday, Monday. That's it. That's all. You set your line up once a week. And it's done. It's it's a lot less commitment than seven days a week.
0: But I know hockey, you can just like, hit the button. But... but like in my opinion, you sit. You're having your morning poop. You, you set your lineup, and you go for the day. Like it's done. Like I even on Sunday night, laying in bed, I'll set my lineup for the week, and then look each day to day to make sure nobody's injured or whatever. Because my league, you have five guys on your bench, so sometimes you're benching guys. But it, it's. It's so easy. It's it takes literally two seconds every day to set your lines and you can win money at the end of it. Like why there's how is there no incentive for you to to want to check it and want to do well?
1: Yeah. I've I've been checking my really consistently been working the waiver wire. I just won my fantasy football league for the third year in a row. Three P. Um, well, so the boys are sick of me. I've only been in that league four years. <laughs>
0: so the thing about my pool is we, we buy a uh, fantasy wrestling belt every year. So each winner gets a fantasy, their own belt. It's not, you don't return it at the end of the year. Uh, when it's the next year you get that belt and it comes out of your prize pool, which so like you minus 150 bucks. You can choose not to get the belt, but why would you not take the ship? Uh, unless you're a repeat, then I understand. Uh, the other guy that I hate in fantasy guy or girl can be either way. Um, is those that love to chirp, but then get so offended if you say anything back. They can't take it, and and like that goes for pretty much pretty much a lot of things. But if you can't if you can chirp and you can't take it on the chin yourself, get out of the league. Like, come on, you got to be or, don't, to say or don't say anything or don't say anything.
1: Fifty to sixty percent of the fun in fantasy is the chirping. Like, and if you don't like it, I don't know why you are playing um it's wild like i literally send memes about my opponents to them on a weekly basis in like an open chat forum within the group like i will bully them the entire week Did... and usually like so i'm in a good group like those guys all could take it and dish it um some people get a little more sour than others but it is pretty funny
0: was it you that told me the story about getting like a gilbert godfrey or something as a or you got to like a uh, what's it called a cameo to chirp your opponent one year?
1: Yeah, I got a uh, a guy on Instagram. He does these like card pulls with like uh, Graham. I think it's Graham. Uh, I don't remember his last name. He does all these really goofy videos, and I got him to record two separate videos of him just bullying my friend's fantasy team. Um, and then I send them. I post them <laughs> to the group to get the boys laughing, and. uh, he loves the guy. That's how I found him anyway. Like he sent me a video of his. So I was like, I'm going to get his favorite like content creator from Instagram to just bully him, his entire fantasy team. <laughs> so we've come up with some pretty funny ways to, to, to chirp each other. And it's uh it's a good league.
0: So moving from that, we talked on it briefly. Uh, you had nothing else to say about fantasy. You're you you only hate people that don't set their lines. I
1: really just, just set your lineups. Do it for the boys. Just set your lineups. Be active. Nobody <laughs> wants to see your team one and twenty at the end of the year. Um, <laughs> it's you know you should be ashamed. That's all I'll say.
0: So we talked about it briefly. Um, Connor Bedard got smoked in the jaw. I mean, he got hit by Brendan Smith, who's much bigger, much stronger than Connor Bedard. Um, his when he hit him, came up across the face, fractured jaw. There's no timeline for Connor Bedard. Um, it looks like we might be robbed of one of the one of the greatest uh, rookie seasons since McDavid. Um, which again, McDavid was also didn't win the Calder his year because he got his leg snapped in half when he was chasing an icing. And got hit, but Connor Bedard was 39 games played, 15 goals, 18 assists for 33 points in 39 games, almost on a point per game basis. And I'm going to compare that right now to Connor McDavid. But bear in mind who Connor McDavid had to play with. He was playing with Nuge, uh, Eberle, Hall. Like he had l- players around him who were very, very skilled players. 45 games, 16 goals, 32 assists for 48 points. Like it, it, on paper, McDavid had the far superior rookie season that he had. Uh, but I think Connor Bedard, with given what he has for teammates, is doing amazing, unthinkable things in his rookie year, and, and it would be a shame to see it to see it go to the wayside.
1: I mean, I don't know much. I don't know anything about the injury or anything. Hockey's pretty tight, you know. I know we know it's a broken jaw, but um, like, I'd be shocked if he's out for more than a month. Um, you know, like obviously, and like I said before, I know he got hurt. and It's a shame and terrible, but I don't, I don't have issue. I don't have issue with the hit. I, I think he stood his ground. I don't think it was malicious.
0: No, I, I agree with you. I don't think that. I don't think there was anything. That you could change about that, it was a it was an unfortunate thing that happened. It was like I bring it to my Leafs because that's what I think of like this season when Timothy Lilgren had his uh, high ankle sprain with Marshawn chasing the corner. There's like you hate to see it, but like it's a part of the game. Like you, you, you can't avoid injury. It's a high pace, high high uh, offense, high like physical game. Um, but when you look at Bedard, if he Do you rush him back? Do you say, put a bubble on, kid, go out there? Like, no, I want him to be healthy. I want him to make sure that he's going to be good and that I'm not going to be forcing him out there and it's it's more painful and it's not going to heal proper. Like, do you put the bubble on the kid now and say you can't come back until you're, like, 100%? Well,
1: honestly, it it helps Chicago to just be patient with him because they're not going to win many games that he's out. And they need another They need to get a better pick to you know. They need to get a better supporting cast around him um, for his second year. So in, I hope not. <laughs> um, but they need to get a, a high pick, and you know the like. So in my opinion, you definitely be careful with your franchise guy. Um, you have to be. There's no point to rush him back. I know the boys will want him in the locker room, and that the guy it's good for the you know what I The locker room to have him around, but. In my opinion, you don't rush him back. You take your sweet time. If, if his jaw hurts when he yawns, you get him a pillow and some ice immediately. And you just keep feeding the guy ice cream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, like, so with that, next in line, the next three guys that are in the Calder favorites is Luke Hughes, which his brother Jack's out. I don't know how much of a production you're going to get with him missing Jack Hughes to play with. Uh, a lot of his points were secondary assists from, from his brother just going bananas. You got Brock Faber, defenseman from Minnesota, who's having an unreal rookie season, and then Adam Fantilli. Like those three guys, the door is open now. Make some ground, and you could... If, if Conor Bedard's out a month and a half, two months, you can make up the ground to make it a lot closer than it even should be with Bedard playing a full year.
1: Absolutely. I still think bernard has got it. Um, I think he comes back and just resumes back to, he just goes back to his usual self. I don't see any issues there, but I do agree. Like if there, if anyone's going to make
0: up ground, now's the time. He's got probably a month. Which then leaves us with the last part of the day. Uh, Before we get into that though, I've got a quick thing to read about knuckle puck seasoning. barbecue seasonings. Knuckle Puck, they are the barbecue seasoning of Breakaway Banner Podcast. They've got two different flavors, all purpose hot. It's packed with flavor and doesn't kill your palate. Or they also have Texas sweet, the Texas flavor that isn't so sweet. Order Knuckle Puck seasonings on their website. Link will be in the bio. Jeremy, you provided a 20, you have an answer for 20 questions this week.
1: I do. I do. I've got the player in mind. Awesome. Um, and granted, we always do this. So we'll get ahead of this. The player has to have played in the 2000s or up. Um, yep. They could have started before. They could have started after. But as long as they were active in the 2000s, they count. But we don't go yep. below that because we're not ancient.
0: <laughs> we, we wouldn't know. We We love hockey. We're not hockey historians. So my first Correct. question... Is this player a Canadian?
1: This player is a Canadian.
0: Okay. Has he ever played for Toronto?
1: This player has played for Toronto.
0: Was he active in the 2000s? Yes. Okay. Is he a forward? This player is a forward. Toronto Uh, so I've got four questions in (sighs) Canadian did he spend most of his career in Toronto
1: no he did not
0: okay was he a first round pick
1: yes he was
0: okay is he still playing today no, he is not. He is not. Did he play for Toronto later in his career? Yes. Joe Thornton.
1: No. Dang
0: it. Okay. Um, that's seven. I, th- I was so sure too. I was like, oh, it's hundred <laughs> percent. Um, so he's active in the two thousands. Was it late two thousands when he started?
1: Um, when he, nope, it was, uh, it was not the late 2000s when he started playing.
0: Okay. Is, has he been retired for more than five years? Yes. Is he in the hall of fame?
1: Good question. I don't know. One second. <laughs> with me podcast like i said not a historian Retired. i don't think so
0: okay um did he ever play for team canada
1: <laughs> yes
0: okay did he win a gold medal with team canada
1: Man, you're making this hard for me. And (laughs) I'm the one that's supposed to know. Yes.
0: Okay. Played for Toronto later in his career. First round draft pick.
1: His second last year was in Toronto.
0: Did he play most of his career for one team? Yes. Was he... Did he house... No, okay. Was he teammates with Joe Thornton?
1: I don't think so.
0: No, dang it. Okay, not who... I thought I was thinking Patrick Marlowe at this point. Yeah, no. Dang. Um... This is gonna kill me because I'm not gonna get it. I only have like what five questions left, six questions. Think,
1: yeah, I'll give you eight. We'll say eight. You got eight
0: questions left. Oh, I can give I'm you sorry. one more
1: bigger hint if that helps.
0: I mean, yeah, I'll, I, I take one more player hint.
1: One more player hint. He retired yeah. in two thousand and seven. Oh shit! Because that's gonna put your whole your brain in a different place.
0: Yeah, I was thinking more recent. Okay. He retired in 2007.
1: Played most of his career with one team. Not Toronto. Not Toronto. Toronto,
0: Came to Toronto at the end of his career. He's a forward. So it would have been 2006. Who played for Toronto in 2006?
1: 2005-2006. He played 33 games.
0: Oh my god, you went obscure! Oh shit, okay. Uh, He won a gold medal for Team Canada.
1: It's not that obscure. The guy was over point per game player in his career. I'll give you that too. That's another freebie. See,
0: like, my. Two thousand seven. See, like my brain's thinking, like Matt Sundin left around then, but it's not Matt Sundin because he's not Canadian.
1: And Sundin would have played the majority of his career with the Leaf. in right? Toronto.
0: Yeah, and and like my also my brain goes to Doug Gilmore. but Doug Gilmore played most of his career as a Leaf. This is brutal for podcast fans. I'm sorry. Like, I I am letting myself down. I am letting all of you down. Like, I I don't even think... I I can't even think of, like, qualifying questions. Did he play most of his... Did I ask, did he play most of his career for one other team?
1: Yes, you did. And yes, he did.
0: Okay. What the... This is brutal.
1: I'll give you one massive hint, too. You Uh, said his name... This podcast.
0: Jamal Mayers?
1: No. Nope.
0: I said his name this podcast.
1: He's been referenced during this pod. This epic.
0: What in the world, my brain? <laughs> I can't even... Th- like, now I'm like, who have I talked about? So we started with the Toronto Maple Leafs. We then... Like, World Juniors, we didn't talk about... We talked about BXA. Oh, I listed off a bunch of hard-nosed players. No. I, this is killing me. All right.
1: He played for what from 92 to 99 with the, this metropolitan team.
0: Met, is, is it the Rangers? Ty, it's not Ty Domi. Because Ty played most of his... I'm going to have to give up because this is going to kill me. And as soon as you say it, I'm going to yeet myself like off of my roof here.
1: He played all those years for the Philadelphia Flyers. After he forced his way... Oh my the god,
0: I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's Eric Lindros. As, he soon as,
1: oh. as soon as you mentioned that we were going to do a, a segment on Cutter earlier, I picked Lindros in my head. Because I was like, what better segue is that And have? I
0: looked, and I looked, and I was like, oh, we talked about... Oh my, I am an idiot. <laughs> I was racking my... Like, I was overthinking it this I need to bounce back. So in two and weeks, I also,
1: I also purposely picked him because he played for the Rangers and the Leafs.
0: Freak. Okay, I'm gonna bounce back, fans. I promise you, I am gonna get the next one in ten questions. I am gonna be reading every history book. Every, I'm gonna look at Hockey DB every day for an hour. I apologize. I've let all of you down. I've let myself down. I've let my family, like I, everybody. Whoa, I'm, like, in shambles here. I am rattled. How did I not... I think you I not...
1: should apologize to Eric Lindros, too, while we're here.
0: Eric Lindros, I am completely sorry that I forgot that you played for a short period of time for the Toronto Maple Leafs before you got your shit rocked and left the, oh, da- left the, the this game. This is the cast. worst apology ever. <laughs> it's true. It's, like, it's... Uh... I am disappointed in myself as a leaf fan. I am disappointed in myself as a podcast host. I am just, I hate that we're leaving everybody on this note, but I apologize. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around for what was my seven minutes in hell. Um, this has been this week's podcast. I am so hey, disappointed. I am you, did
1: like- better, you did a better job than my Nick cousins joke earlier. Okay. So I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <sighs>
0: And I apologize to Eric Lindros and beat him down even more. My words <laughs> gave him another concussion. Oh, That's it for this week. Thank you so much. I'm Josh Ruckstall.
1: I'm Jeremy Rash. Thanks for watching, And And this,
0: this, this was our episode this week. Thank you so much. Like, follow, tell your friends.